0: To uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What is up, everybody? You guys are all having a great start, middle or end of your week. Man, am I excited about this week's episode with Mr. Ricky Roberts. So Ricky's story is one of those that should honestly have a movie made about it just because it's so crazy. The peaks, the valleys, the things that this man has experienced and where he is today and how he's found his love for life through all of it. So I'm going to give you a quick intro on Ricky before we dive into this week's episode. At 17 years old, Ricky was stabbed nine times. Prior to this life-changing experience, Ricky didn't care whether he lived or died. He had an abusive childhood. He was full of anger and resentment. He thought about suicide frequently. He'd even put a gun in his mouth and played with the trigger. But when he laid in the hospital bed, watching the emergency staff work on him after he was stabbed multiple times, he realized he didn't want to die after all. Instead, he wanted to learn how to live. And in those darkest moments, Ricky had been thrown an unexpected lifeline. So he grabbed this second chance at life and used this rock bottom to transform what it means to live extraordinary. And now life couldn't be more different. Ricky's the author of seven books. He's a youth advocate, a national speaker, and the founder of You Are Valued. And in this episode, Ricky shares his story, explains how he can track his transformed, fulfilling life back to the day that he was stabbed nine times which is crazy to me i mean ricky's story is proof that rock bottom can be the best thing that happens to you the rock bottom can be the trigger and the catalyst that gets you back on the extraordinary path through life you know before ricky was stabbed he was lost and out of love with life but after something like that he realized how precious it was and he found the courage the confidence and the urgency to not only live but thrive in the process and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. This was actually one of my favorite episodes that I'd recorded in a while, not only because of Ricky's authenticity and his own dedication to his own truth, but just the way that, one, hearing his story woke something up in me. And I love this conversation. It was a beautiful back and forth that I guarantee will light a fire in your soul. I hope it'll give you just something to look forward to, something to see pain, a lens to see pain through, whether you're going through the worst of times or the worst of times are behind you. I hope that this episode reminds you of the power you have to change your own life and give you the ropes to show you how you can be happy and fulfilled again, regardless of what you may be going through right now. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, Ricky's also a new author, and we talk in detail about his books, and all of the links are available in the show notes, as well as uh, just discussed in the episode itself. So, So I hope you guys enjoy it, but before we get started, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Stay Grounded on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use to create and live your best life using the podcast Let me know what your biggest takeaway was from Ricky's episode, either on social media or in the reviews. I read all of them. And never forget, no matter what you're going through, life can turn itself around if you give it a chance to surprise you. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful episode with my new friend, Mr. Ricky Roberts. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I hope everybody's having an incredible start to the day, middle of the day, wherever in the world you are. I'm just excited because I'm sitting across from Mr. Ricky. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. I'm
1: I'm, I'm equally as excited to be sitting across from you. So I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on uh, Stay Grounded. I love the show and love being here. No
0: man I'm I'm I mean I would say I'm equally grateful but I want to say in this instance I'm a little more because I started looking into your story and I remember when you sent me this book first of all the healing the wounded child within which was your sixth book yes and I know that you're now a new author of far from easy which is your seventh book and we'll dive into those a little later but I started reading healing the Wo- uh, healing the wounded child within and I think within the first like three pages I was one blown away just because are usually not speechless because you've gone through. I mean, I would say hell and back, man. <laughs> I mean like you, you've been through a slew of life experiences that most of us can't really imagine. So I want to start there. So let's start with one, the stabbings because yeah. I think that's where I, I was really kind of blown away. And how you were able to find purpose through that level of pain and how you were, how were you able to bring the awareness that your wounded child or your past was creating circumstances in your life after something that was seemingly out of your control, like being stabbed multiple times? Well,
1: the stabbing was really just the start for me. You know, that was the epiphany in my life that made me wake up to the fact that I was allowing abuse from my childhood, violence that I witnessed and experienced on on many levels, really control who I was. The the stabbing happened because I was such an angry and bitter hurt or allowing my pain to control me at the time person. And when the altercation happened, I really could have avoided the situation. I was just so fiery and like, like I said, bitter and resentful at the time that any confrontation I got in at that stage of my life, I looked for the opportunity to engage in violence in some strange way. It kind of made my pain disappear, you know, and um, that stabbing started with a simple altercation. I think they thought we were someone else from some fight that happened the weekend before and um, we just got into it. And uh, long story short, I ended up stabbed nine times in the hospital. Thinking that was this was it, I, I'm dying, and I'm laying there. All of this stuff was consuming me. You know, I had all these emotions. This, this, uh, all of a sudden, this fear—like I don't want to die. And up to that point, in my life, Raj, I didn't care if I lived or died. There were multiple stages and times in my life where. I contemplated suicide often to the point of sitting in my room with a gun in my mouth, just squeezing, you know, like kind of trembling on the finger with the trigger, but never fully going, you know, or a, a knife to my throat, just like knowing if I could push it, then all the pain I was experiencing at the time would be over. All of a sudden, fast forward, I'm laying in this hospital room, doctors and nurses all around me. Like, wow, I don't, I don't want to die. I'm not ready. I felt the fear of death. And for the first time in my life, I, I realized that I didn't really want to die. I just didn't know how to live. So, ended up getting to recovery, back up a little. All this commotion was happening. Doctors and nurses all around me. I'm staring at them. They're staring at me. And just like I could hear some in the background trying to get a hold of my mother saying, your son's been stabbed multiple times. We don't know if he's going to make it through the night. You need to get here. So all this craziness is happening. Hospital chaplain walks into the room, puts his hand on my head and says, everything's going to be okay, son. Then all of a sudden, I was like, "Like peace, like literally came over me. And I knew I just had this feeling. I knew I was going to be okay. And the doctors and nurses worked on me for another six and a half hours after that went to a room where I laid in recovery. And in that time, I just stared out the window and just started thinking about how I was letting the pain and the, the troubles that I experienced, the poverty I experienced as a young person, all of these things control me so much that I almost ended up dead, essentially. And that was just the beginning of a really long transformation process. I was seventeen at the time. I had no clue where to begin, how to begin. Um, I didn't have any real positive people in my life to try to turn to. I went through my life and I started to develop all these tools and these these practices to deal with my anger, to deal with different emotions that would come up, abandonment, and trust, and all of these things. Just kind of making it through my life, and as I started to get, you know, as I got older, I realized I learned a lot of tools to get through stuff, but I'd never really healed some of that stuff from the past because that was the real journey and understood how like no matter what I did and what kind of coping mechanisms I had, I didn't want that to be the end. And that's where that healing the wounded child within where I was just like, you know, there's this process of healing the things from our past to free ourselves from it. Otherwise, in one way or another, they continue to manifest in our
0: lives consciously and subconsciously. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. I have a question. So you mentioned something. You were engaging in anger to cope with pain. When was the first time you realized that some of the more softer emotions can also help you cope with pain?
1: It was a long time to soften myself, to let people in, to let myself feel, feel love. On the other side of the anger and, and violence, I had skateboarding, I had art, and those were outlets that I always had and still have to help me cope with whatever, you know, and just stay grounded in my life. I think it was through the process of journaling, honestly, where I really started to open up. Because that's when I started to write. After the stabbing, I got notebooks, and something just inherently called me to the page. Where I just started writing all of my feelings, emotions, and through that process, working through the anger and pain, I would get into more sensitive side, uh, the more sensitive side of myself, and be okay with expressing love and, and receiving love. But I can't pinpoint it to a certain time because it was such a journey, you know, and it's just such a process. There may be one moment I feel comfortable with someone hugging me, you know, looking back. And then the next minute I feel like I'm like locked up in some cage because it feels so uncomfortable for someone to be close to me. So those were pushing past those experiences that were uncomfortable, with the knowing that they needed to be comfortable and being vulnerable to those feelings was a really long, ongoing process, you know, and, and it's a lifelong
0: journey, honestly. So you, t- you also mentioned you were afraid of death you just didn't know how to live. After you got out of rehab, after you, you got out of the hospital, how did you start learning how to live? It changing
1: my surroundings, starting to change my outlook and belief in myself, you know, and and realized like that night, I just went out with some friends. I was walking to my door and called back to them because I knew they were going out like, no, actually, because I had to work in the morning. And I am like, actually, I'm going to go with you guys, change my mind at the last minute. And then the next thing I know, I'm almost dying, you know, it's like that. that. And I've experienced that in my life multiple times. The fragility of it. So was the beginning for me to really look at every day as a gift and an opportunity. So I, I feel like that was something that happened very quickly after that. Like my whole view of the world started to change and of myself because I, I just realized, like at any moment, any one of us can go, like or anyone we know can pass on. Being so close to that, it, I, I think it just. There was no other way for me but to realize um, my need to focus on enjoying this life and staying as positive as I can through through whatever comes through in it,
0: you know. Rock bottom clarity is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It it really is, man. It sucks in the moment and you never really know where it's going to go or where it's coming from. But there's something very, very, very calming about the clarity you get from making your life's biggest mistakes. Absolutely. How did that clarity start to show up when you started infusing urgency into your life to start living and appreciating and being here and now? It started
1: to show up with wanting more out of my life, you know, wanting to understand myself more, understand what my place in it it is and how I can like give back. What, what my, why am I still here? Right? Like, I knew someone or knew of someone that same night that got stabbed one time and was dead. And here I am, we weren't in the same situation. It's just ironically, that's what I know. So why am I still here? What can I do? That just started me on this sense of urgency to make the most out of my life and start to achieve. And that's where I went down the road of success, which I know you can relate to your story with your mentor where I, you know, I'm like, grow up poor. So I thought if I just got money and things like I can do this, it'll make me happy and went down that road for a while and eventually realized that that wasn't where my fulfillment and contentment, happiness was um, and made that change. And that's a whole nother story we can get into. But yeah, just that sense of back to the original question, the sense of urgency to live and thrive. That was just something that happened organically
0: with the shakeup. Were you skateboarding and using art as a vehicle for more passion and purpose before you were stabbed or is that something that happened after?
1: Before I was stabbed. I mean, honestly, like when I look back before I was stabbed, when I think of like what saved my life, you know, like what gave me the strength to keep going when things were so hard and like overwhelming and just like unbearable. Skateboarding was just this vehicle for everything to disappear. This quiet that happens on a skateboard. And it's the reason why I've like, come back to it so many times in my life because it was just this, like, if I had to say one thing, saved me. It was that. You know, the same thing with, with my pencils. I would just get lost In a drawing where all of a sudden, like the whole world escapes or or disappears outside of me. And those two things are are things I'm very grateful for in my life. Skateboarding started when I was younger. And I think part of the reason why I was attracted to it so much and was pulled to it so much was because it was something that I could just do by myself as very individual, but also sense of camaraderie in the skateboard culture that is like nothing else I experienced, you know, it it gave me refuge. And I I think that that was part of what pulled me in so much. And then my anger and my like turmoil was part of what fueled my desire to progress and push through so much of the pain that you have to push through in order to progress skateboarding. You know, it's a harsh sport on your body and there's a lot of hard (laughs) balls. It's not easy, man. And, um, it was something I definitely had beforehand and super grateful. The writing was more what came after the stabbing that has proven to be so therapeutic and enriching in my life. In what way? Processing, you know, always assessing my life, my decisions, you know, how I can become a better person, a better friend, a better husband, a better person for others in the world, like just in general, you know, and then, well, writing out my insecurities and my fears and the things that are burdening me—a way to release that on the page. You know, it's just been a practice of mine since the stabbing. Really, like it's just something that it's like purging in a way. I'm like constantly purging myself to just let go, and um, and that's ultimately what where the, all of my books come from. Was just is just through that ju- process of journaling, pretty much. I would say daily
0: 90%, you know, 5 to 6 days a week every, you know, continuously. I mentioned this a couple of times on the show, but I've always believed that emotions are just energy in motion. And I love that. When you, and so when you when you write emotionally or when you create art with emotion or when you tell a story with emotion, when you speak with emotion, I mean you're conveying more than a message. Right? You're conveying a feeling, you're conveying a moment that you felt through whatever vehicle that is, whether it's a movie or, I mean, there's just so many different ways, vehicles to convey that energy, but that energy is what you're really conveying. Why do you think the process of sharing energy with other people feels so good to yourself?
1: You know, man, that's a, that's a beautiful question. Thank you. First, the writing always starts with helping myself, you know, like working through my, my stuff, like, Just like I just had said, like processing things, but the sharing of it, the moment I think we give anything we're automatically receiving because there's so much joy in giving of our energy, of what we learn, of ourself, of our resources to other people. It's almost like there have been so many things that I've done for free, like just talks and just like to give it's like I walk away winning the, like 10 lotteries. I feel yeah. so good. I'm like, I don't, I can't even explain it. I know you get it. It's just that you're on a map. The moment you're pouring out of yourself and giving of yourself, it's already coming back to you more than 10 times more than from the place you're even giving. like, or more than what you're even giving.
0: And it feels like that, doesn't it? It may not look like that on. And that's the beautiful part of all of this, right? Like, we tend to live in a very transactional society where we think one should equal one. Right. But what I give to you might feel like more than what I get and vice versa. Yeah. Right? Like the things you value. And that's why, and when I, when I say energy, that's why I think energy, like a lot of people think of money as a form of energy, time as a form of energy, yes. inspiration as a form of energy, like all of these, but they're just energy. Cause yeah. You know, I've read a really interesting book uh, called The Go-Giver. And it's about this, it's like a little story about this guy that built his entire fortune and wealth on just this idea that he just kept giving, giving, giving. And then somehow that turned into a life of him getting 10 times more than he ever thought he could get. And he said a really interesting quote in the book, which was around this idea of giving and getting as a natural product, that's like a part of life. Yes. Right? It's nature. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a law of nature. So you can't change it. If you're constantly giving, you may not get exactly what you gave in return, but you're going to get something else. If you just keep living life with that lens of giving, 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 and then receiving, you create a natural law where the more you give, the more likely you are to get a form of energy that might turn into physical riches, or it yeah. might turn into something beautiful that you may visualize or want in your life, but it comes to the process of, of giving something true for you. Absolutely. I want to ask you, how do you stay aligned with your truth? I know you went through a lot, but I mean, it's been years since that experience.
1: Yeah. It's just a matter of being honest with myself, you know, being honest with my True and deepest desires are, and where my fulfillment comes from, not necessarily silence and noise of where I think it needs to come from, or I think the society says that I need to be doing, or whatever. Like to really, like continuously checking in with that. And this is not to say that I'm not like pulled in different directions or or pulled off to come back to my center, but I feel like that's the best thing that I can do to give back to my opportunity to be here is to live as closest Mm -hmm. to my truth as I can, you know, and continuously asking of myself and and just asking of the universe, God, whatever anyone wants to refer to it as is just like what what am I doing here? How can I be of greatest service with my time here? But not only asking those questions, slowing myself down enough to feel and hear what those answers are and where I need to take my life and what I need to surrender to. You know, like everything I'm doing right now, when I was in the business world and thinking that, oh, this is great. I'm making all this money. I'm buying investment, real estate and all of these things. And like, this is, I'm so successful in the eyes of people around me and maybe society for that stage of my life, where I was at at that time in my life, to all of a sudden feeling this overwhelming sense of urgency to change complete directions like this isn't for you anymore. This isn't fulfilling you. This isn't right for you. I'm thinking in my my intellectual mind like this is everything I need to be doing. This is what they told me I need to be doing. Like I'm following the path. And all of a sudden, no, that's, that's not where I need to be like getting these feelings. And it was after I wrote my second book, actually, what really matters that I think you can relate a lot to it because your mentor. Like I knew someone who, multiple people, multi-millionaires, passed away randomly, and like started really questioning my life. What really matters in the midst of all of this? Like, am I really happy? Am I really living my truth? When I had like felt this urgency to leave all of that, that was crazy. Like I like I had to process through a lot to lose so much financial like gain and all just you know, the the process of redirecting my whole life, then that willingness over and over again and the courage to say, okay, like, yeah, this is my truth. And I can't deny it. If I deny it, it's never going to go away. Like I can find ways to silence it or to push it back, but it's always there calling on me, calling on me, calling on me. So I do my best to listen to it as fast as I can and as open and willingly as as I can. And, um, for the listeners, like we're talking about, you know, listening to your truth and giving, I, I want you as a listener and, and, and uh, to understand it's in conversation, it's easy. Like we can talk about giving and listening to your truth, but on the, the, the inside of talking about all of that is a lot of, a lot of processing, a lot of like things to untangle egos to dissolve and, and all so many different layers. So just wanted to be clear that it's easy to talk about, but I don't want to miscommunicate that it's just this thing that happens without any real effort, if
0: that makes sense. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. You said a lot in there that I'm particularly curious about. One, I really love that you are grateful to the opportunity to be here. So it's almost like you keep calling back to that opportunity that you've been given to be here. And I think that's a beautiful way to ground yourself in what really matters. It's just that opportunity to be here. Then you said something. We said a lot of things that I'm trying to process right now in my mind everything from surrendering to fulfillment to the dissolution of ego and the process of that. But I guess I want to go back and just start with the foundational question because it keeps coming up for me. What does fulfillment feel like for you? Trying to give you an example. There's there's
1: been days where I'm like, talk to my friends. I can't go surfing today. It's surfing on the East Coast a couple hours away. I'm going surfing in a different way. I have a talk scheduled today because it's like there's this feeling, this sense of I would do this for free. I would wouldn't be anywhere else but here doing what I'm doing, how I'm living my life, that we talk about receiving and it's you're giving, you always you're always receiving and that this deep level, like that fulfillment is what you're receiving. Everything else outside of that, any type of material recognition or validation that I can receive outside of that is is just it's just merely like a, a bonus, if you will, because the the real gift is what it feels like to be living your life from a place of your own truth, whatever that truth is, and get that sense of it's joy, it's contentment, it's it's just this feeling of groundedness. Really, you know, there's no anxiety involved, and the anxiety maybe to do certain things, certain aspects of it, but. There's a knowing in fulfillment. I think in truth, if we are all honest with ourselves, we really go inward, pay attention to how we're feeling, and honest with our responses to how we're feeling, then we know if we are moving closer to fulfillment or not even near it. It's a word that's hard to put into... Any one emotion, you know, or any one explanation—it's just. I'm gonna try. I'm
0: gonna try. I think that the feeling of fulfillment is a feeling that you will willingly stay present in. Love it because presence unlocks the connection to infinite time, where you feel like you just want to stay stuck in this for as long as you can. Prolong the emotions, the warmth, the ecstasy, the connection to people, the love, whatever, the joy, the pride, the appreciation, all of that. You just want to stay present in it and just stretch it out as long as you possibly can because it feels like the best drug on planet Earth. Yes. You just want to
1: soak it in, soak it in because it's like this fleeing thing with time, but you're like immersed in this sense of like, ah,
0: I can't get yeah. enough of it, right? So how do you begin to, to listen? I think that's a bigger problem for myself, listeners, and really everybody. It's, it's learning to pay attention to the clues on what will lead you to this place worth being present in, listening to like ideas, thoughts, people who might say things at certain times, inconvenient or convenient. That'll lead us down this path. How do we how do we begin to pay attention to our surroundings in a way that take us closer to that feeling? Before I answer that, I,
1: I always like to just give little disclaimers for the the listeners. Is the fulfillment all of that feeling. I want you to know that that's not my day one hundred percent of the day. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed, and like, I yeah. like, I'm not just in this aha <laughs> state all the time. Like I right. get that's the journey though. I get insecure. I get all those things. I want that to to be clear. Yeah, yeah. And the the listening, you know, I, I think it first starts with creating the space to listen at all. Like you can't hear anything if you're going from one responsibility to next to your next task to the next um, event. Even if there's things that you want to do and enjoy doing, if there isn't space padded in between or space created in your life to unplug a little bit and disconnect, I believe it's it's really hard to one listen and two be clear on what you're even listening to or what you're you're trying to feel or hear because you're getting so much information and processing so much and experiencing so much from one thing to the next to the next to the next. The start of listening is to make the time to listen, you know, and then from there I feel like we all have this, like I said earlier, we have an internal compass. If we're honest about it, those those feelings, we know what is right and what is wrong you know, there's that feeling inside of us. What does that feeling
0: of right feels like?
1: Describe the feeling of right. Peace. There's not turmoil. You're not conflicted. You're not anxious. You're, you're, you know, there's a difference between staying up at night because you're excited to talk with Rajan on stay grounded, you know, or you're staying up at night because you like are so anxious about, The place that you're going into the next day to work that you're actually driving there, feeling completely uncomfortable and anxious, and your stomach is sort of twisted all the time. Although we get comfortable with feeling that way, when we take the time to stop and listen, we know that doesn't feel good. And that's just one example. Or it could be a relationship you're in, it could be multiple, multiple things. Like we feel unsettled when it's right, and you're In the the situation that you're supposed to be in or the relationship you're supposed to be in, whatever that might be, there's no there's no internal turmoil, there's no conflict. There might be conflict with the scenarios and the situation just because that's part of anything, but there's a sense of contentment with it. There's a sense of peace. And I, I believe it's easy to identify, becomes easier to identify with the more time more time and space we create to just be still and stay grounded and, and to listen, not just accept things for the way we are. Like if you're feeling completely anxious and completely overwhelmed and burdened all of the time by whatever this, those scenarios are, then that's, that's not necessarily right. That's not the life I believe we're supposed
0: to be here living. Let me ask you this. When do you differentiate between having the courage to face turmoil and surrendering to the fact that turmoil exists? Because there's, there's, there's an element of like, all right, so if you're not happy, we have to have the courage to change our lives or have the courage mm-hmm. to leave those relationships, have the courage to look for a new job, start a new career and be seen to fail because that's a pretty tough thing to swallow. Yes. That's ego dissolution in many ways. Yes. But then there's also this element of when you have pain, when you have turmoil, when you have anxiety. There's this element of surrender that has to go along with it too. Yes. Because you can't have you can't experience courage without surrender, and you can't surrender without courage. So yeah. how do you balance the two as you're living and creating and going through this life where? it's impossible to stay in that state of fulfillment 100% of the time. The courage to, if you know something
1: needs to change, if you know you want to start that business that you've been wanting to start or, or change your career to something that you feel would bring more fulfillment or remove yourself from a relationship that seems to be holding you back or toxic or, or whatever it might be. And, and this is not to say that you leave things because the, there's problems in it or it's not easy or because that's, that's going to come with anything. That, that part doesn't matter. So when you identify it's time to leave and you're going to do these things, you're going to start a new business or follow a, a specific passion, the courage is to make that decision to do it. The surrender comes in the process of doing it right? Like of leading or following any certain thing or leaving a relationship. Say you're starting a, a new business, you have the courage to to do what you have to do to get started. After you make that decision, it's like, yes, I am starting this. I, I have the courage to go for it. And I do it. But I'm going to surrender to the reality that I don't know if it's going to work out or not right away. I don't know how many times I'm going to fail. I don't know how long it's going to take to get to a certain place that I want to go to. Surrender to the obstacles that are coming. Surrender to the fears that become presented by the mind. Surrender to all of the layers that come with the decision you're making that ultimately started with courage. And then there's times where it's all blended. It's a dance. It's like this... like. I don't even know what the word I'm like, Oh, what is those wibbly wobbly things? Like, it's just like, (laughs) sometimes you're just literally going with it. You have no clue. When I finally, like, after I I left the business I was in, and I'm like, sort of just trying to figure it out. And then I started working for an organization when I finally decided, like, I'm going all in on my, my books and my talks and, and sustaining my life that way and really living my truth and being honest. That was the courage, right? When I decided to like put in my last notice, and my um, team and supervisor like, "What are you gonna do? Like, how are you even gonna make it?" Like, Ricky, are you sure? And I'm just like, "I have to do this. Like, this is something I need to do." That was the courage to leave without any guarantee or any like future paycheck, any like promised outcome. The surrender came in making that decision and not knowing, like and just surrendering to that process and continuing to show up every day. And then things happen, A random book order comes like one week after I left, I had no clue about before. And that's
0: that process and in, in op- those opportunities that came through the artist's surrender. You know, it's interesting. Every time you say surrender, I feel like you could replace that word with acceptance too. Yes. You're just yes. accepting life in its purest state, life in chaos, life in it. Because massive action creates massive chaos. And massive action in a direction that you've never been in creates hemorrhaging chaos that sometimes feels out of control. But if you surrender or replace the word surrender with accept, it's almost like that chaos doesn't have control over you. Yes. Which is the ultimate yes. goal, right? The ultimate goal is not necessarily to not have chaos because if you don't have chaos and uncertainty, you don't have growth. Yes. It's just acknowledging the fact that you don't need to have control over the situation and relinquishment of that need creates peace in some ways.
1: Yes. That's where part of the beauty, it's like the, the trees blowing in the wind and and i and i'm sure you can relate to this it, but like f- for the listeners i i don't prom i don't ever promise anything i can't guarantee i don't ever like think that there's there's very little i can guarantee but but what i can say that is very likely will happen when you go for something that you're feeling called and like, just nudged and continuously reminded like wait no do this or like just being pulled in a certain direction whatever that may look like, whatever that may be, that continues to call on you. When you have the courage to take that leap and go for it, you don't need to know how it's going to work out. Like you don't need to know what's going to happen, exactly how it's going to happen. You don't, like you were saying, you don't need that control. But what you do or can know is that it will work out. There will be things that come and opportunities that present themselves and people you meet and um, doors that open that you can't even imagine at this at this stage, but there's that sense of knowing that you can walk through in your phases of of taking that leap and having that courage that you will be supported. Like things will happen. Like I, I can't even. I'm sure you have them too. I don't even know how many stories I have on how things
0: worked out that I had no clue that they would along the way i watched this video from oprah like years ago this is when she was like she won her like first award or whatever and she said this one thing i'm paraphrasing uh, for anybody listening and wants to call me out on it later but i'm um, but what she said was she was describing this feeling of the universe or god or whatever you believe in has a better imagination for your life than love you it. could possibly have because Everything you're forecasting into the future in your mind is based on what you know. Mm. Everything is based on what you know, what you've experienced, what you've seen, what movies you've watched, what books you've read, the places you've traveled to, the people you've met. So your interpretation of what's possible, even if you're a visualizer, which I'm an avid visualizer, I have vision boards, I keep my goals and I'm constantly staring at them. But even those things are based on things that I know. They're not based on things I don't know. And so yeah. when you start to acknowledge that, yes, there could be a life out there, there could be a reality out there, there could be people out there, there could be experiences that you are going to have in your life that you just don't know. Yes. And when you acknowledge that and you accept that, that creates trust in something. And for me, that trust comes back to trust in self if I'm willing to accept and surrender to the fact that I don't have all the answers that I'm never going to have all the answers and that there might be some answers out there that are way better for me than the ones that I have in my mind. All that does for me is it builds the confidence for me to figure it out. Yes. Right. And that confidence creates the ability to dance. Like you were mentioning between the surrender and the courage and have the faith that life is going to be done for you. Yes. It is going to be done with you. It's going to be done to you. It's going to be done in a way that brings out the life you're supposed to live, not the one you want. Yes.
1: And when you're continuously acting on those things that, that feel right and are of highest good and of service, we you're saying that, and I was thinking about actually before we got on, I was, I was writing a bit and reflecting So think about where you are in your life now, where I'm at my life now, and look back on phases in your life that you were worried about, maybe like a breakup that happened, or worried about a job that didn't work out, or an opportunity that didn't come, or something that you were worried about. When you look back on those times and from where you are now and realizing that everything has worked out. Like everything has worked out beautifully. Like your life is where you are now. And you yeah. think about those times you worry, and I always say, like, I, I talk about this all the time on how energy, how much of wasted energy is spent on worrying. Like, there's no need to worry about anything. Like, it's just this thing we create, these, these ideas, or like you were saying, the sense of this need or this need to control things that facilitates the, the sense of worry. But when you look back on your life, and then you think of the things you're worrying about and realizing that they all worked out. There's like, and you're where you are right now in your life, whatever you could be worrying about right now and why you shouldn't go for that job or start that business or whatever it might be, there is no need to worry because 10 years from now, you're going to look back and realize you had no reason to worry at all because it all worked
0: out wonderfully. Well, what the beautiful thing is, if you start to look at life through that lens, you start to realize that the things you were worrying about 10 years ago made you who you are today. If you, you acknowledging the fact that you may not be grateful for that past or you, you mentioning out loud, or even saying that that worry was justified is you telling yourself right now that you don't love who you are today. Yes. And I think that's the biggest travesty on planet earth. Like, you know, loving yourself is, is, is everything, in pain and success and in all of it i mean self love is the foundation for self growth because when you love yourself enough to put yourself in surrender and encourage you create a vehicle that just breathes fulfillment yes. even the shitty times feel good yeah i mean everything you start to find appreciation to be the lifeblood of your reality and that can only happen by acknowledging that, yes, I worried, but that worry made me who I am. So if I'm worrying right now, I'm just going to be grateful for it because that's going to create a set of actions or circumstances that I'm going to be proud of later. Yes. And I want to get back to your journey, man, because far from easy. So let's talk about that journey. And I want you to share sort of the shift that happened in your life that caused you to write that book and and the lessons that, that you're sharing through that medium? Far from easy was just inspired by wanting
1: to I believe a lot of people, you know, when they start on their journey to start a business or pursue a specific dream that they have, or whatever that may be, people often give up because they start down this this path. And you know, we hear pursue your dreams, you can do anything and be anything you want and all of these positive things, but I've been I've been guilty of saying and and using some of the, the same things with, with talks or whatever. But what happens is when people start down that road there's this misconception of how quickly sometimes that things will work out or if they're not working out necessarily right away then that means that they should give up they're just not on the right journey or, or right path I, I just felt inspired to give my insights to some of the things I've experienced to get to the point I'm at in my life now and in, in terms of living the dreams my life and the, the to the extent that that I am right now and there's so much more to do and and more to go. But for right now, and it was just this thing that I wanted to offer of a sense of encouragement from a real perspective, just real talk about like this is these are some of the things that you're gonna expect to deal with along the way. You know, you're gonna struggle, you're gonna feel like you're going down the wrong path. Like I said, you're gonna have self-doubt, criticism other people, doubt of other people's insecurities and it doesn't mean that you have to give up and it doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. It's just part of the process and part of the journey. So that was what started me down that is like really just wanting to give the readers a realistic understanding of what it takes to make their dreams a reality. And for the people who are in that pursuit or on that journey already, just that friendly reminder of like, it's all right. You're, you're, on the right path, this is part of it. Just because there's been so many times, I my first book came out over 14 years ago, and there's been so many times along the way that I questioned myself or doubted what I was doing. Would have loved for someone just to be like, no, this is all part of the whole thing and just enjoy it more,
0: right? Like, just trust the process and enjoy it. Don't be afraid. I love it, man. Well, everybody, this book is available on Amazon all over the world, Australia, the UK, Europe, US, wherever you are, check it out. Far from easy. What it takes to make your dreams a reality. Uh, Ricky, man, this conversation went down a rabbit hole. I didn't expect to, which is usually my favorite kind of conversations. I'm really grateful that we got a chance to dance. I have one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've been through everything you've done and everywhere you're going, how do you
1: stay grounded? Multiple things. You know, I have many things that I call on to stay grounded, skateboarding, art, journaling, surfing, quiet time in the mountains with my wife, quiet time by myself, walks, meditation. You know, it, it just depends on, on the day and, and what, my, what my needs are for that day. You know, so I, I am grateful to have many things in my life that help me stay grounded. And listening to great podcasts like yours is is a is always a good way to to stay grounded. Honestly, you know. So um, there's there's many things I do, but that's just the the biggest selection that, or the the most
0: consistent ones that I do. The ones I shared. Beautiful man. Well, like I said, um, I think your story is it's it's beyond inspiring, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm I learned a lot from you on this on this episode, and I'm I know that few other people did too. So thank you so much for sharing your truth, showing up the way you have. And I really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too, Ross. Uh, Ricky, actually, how do we, how do we find you, man? Like, are you on social? Like, why don't you share some social media, your, your website? Why don't you just throw a quick blurb in there?
1: Uh, Ricky Roberts, the third Ricky with the Y Roberts, III on Instagram, Facebook, Ricky Roberts, the third. Uh, that's spelled out the the R, three R D the third and rickyroberts.com. But yeah, I'm always happy to hear from you. Happy to, to connect. So uh, reach out if you have something to share.
0: I'm happy to listen. Sweet. Well, guys, uh, we'll make all of these links available in the show notes. And when I release this on social media, I'll also tag Ricky and a bunch of stuff. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Ricky. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.